This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to finish my message today, believe it or not. I actually think I can get through it. And uh, it's on God's authority, the authority of God. But, you know, again, I, I want to encourage you that on the 16th, Uh, 15th and 16th of this month, 15th and 16th of March, we have part of the equipping track. Some of you did last month. You went, you came to Discovering the Word. And Discovering the Word, it was a great turnout. Over 600 people turned out for Discovering the Word. And and that's how you grow. You get these foundations in you. Well, this month we're going to be doing on the 15th and 16th called Founded on the Word. It's the foundation stones for you to grow. Uh, and, and, and part of that is the authority of the believer. I'm, I'm only dipping our toe into it, but this will be a very thorough, very clear teaching on the authority of the believer. We also will talk to you about church government, church governance, our church governance, how that works. Why, and why is that important to you? Well, let me tell you something. If you don't know how your church works, if you don't know what we believe, the foundation stones, you, you might be in a cult. Have you ever thought about that? Uh, who knows? Maybe I put some sunglasses on, I might be Jim Jones, hey? <laughs> See, guys, you have to understand something. You need to know the foundations of what you believe. And it can't be based in a personality. It can't be based in a man. It's got to be based on something a lot firmer than that. God gives us a sure foundation of truth. And, and we want you to know that so that when people ask you, why do you go to that church? You say, well, excuse me, I'll tell you, here's why I go to that church. Here's what we believe. Here's the foundation stones of my life. Many people don't have any foundations. I mean, ask the average Christian. They are clueless as to what they believe. They don't even know their, they don't even know the foundations of Christianity, let alone the foundations of their own church. So I, we, we teach that, and then we talk about uh, the subject of praise and worship, financial prosperity, and healing. And I believe in all those things, and I believe they're very, very powerful. This is probably one of the most powerful courses that we do in the church. And we haven't done it for a few years. So if you haven't done this, or if you have done it, and it's been a while, you need a refresher, okay? So you can register today in the foyer. Both foyers will have people out there to register. And you can begin registration. We'll do it again for the next couple of weeks until the 15th and 16th. And uh, it's a Friday evening and a Saturday morning, and I, I want to encourage you to do that, okay? Did you get all that? All right, so tonight, Pastor Franz and Facing Your Giants, Facing the Giants, and then 15th and 16th, we're going to do the Founded on the Word course. Open your Bibles with me. I'd like you to open to uh, Matthew 17 again. I'm just going to do a quick review from last week. You know, we talked about the authority of the believer and how that authority is released in the earth. God gives you an amazing authority. But the only way that that authority can be released in the earth is through a voice. It has to be spoken. Now God does not have a voice. He has the Bible. He has the word of God. But he needs someone to exercise biblical authority to release the power of God in a situation. That's why prayer is important. That's why confession is important. That's why the Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verses 8 and 9, it says, what a man believes in his heart and declares with his mouth shall come to pass. It's, it's, it's about having a, a system. 
But here, here we see in Matthew 17, it says, uh, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence into yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. There's a real connection between what a man believes in his heart and is willing to declare with his mouth. Now, I know a lot of Christians, and what they do is they have the wrong kind of knowledge. They have head knowledge. Many of you in the church have head knowledge. What you do is you study the Bible like it's a textbook. I had one, one lawyer come to me. He says, yeah, he says, I read the Bible once. I said, you read the Bible once. I said, you don't read the Bible once. I said, you meditate therein day and night. You study it. He says, no, if I need it, I'll take it off the shelf. It's, he used it as a reference book. You know, if he needed a speech or if he needed a, a point for a case, he would take it off and he'd, he'd use it as a reference book. It, the Bible is not a reference book. The Bible is a living organism. It's alive sharper than any two-edged sword. It discerns between the thoughts and the intents of your heart, between joint and marrow. It's a living document. It's, it's, it's God's word. And so when Jesus said unto them, it's because of your unbelief, he says, but if you have faith, even the size of a mustard seed. Now, mustard seed isn't, it's not the size of your faith. He, he's, what he's saying is the potential is in the size. The, the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, but it grows to the biggest of all trees. He says, if you can begin to exercise faith like a mustard seed, he says, you're going to be amazed at what can happen. You can even say to a mountain, be removed, and it will be removed. Well, mountains in the Bible speak of kingdoms. They speak of strongholds. They, think, they speak of places that are, that are lofty. It's where demonic principalities and powers often are. And... They used to worship on the mountains. Speak to this mountain and it can be removed. What are the mountains in your life that need to be removed? Well, they will not be able to be released. They will not be able to be moved unless you can come to a place that you have faith in your heart to decree and to declare what God says in that situation. And then I promise you, you're going to see some very, very powerful things happen. So there must be instruction from our mouths in order to release God's word so that he can move on our behalf. Mark eleven twenty three 23 and 24 says, For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say, everybody say, say. say. Whosoever, who's whosoever? Tap your neighbor, say, I think he's talking about you this morning. <laughs> Tap your other neighbor, say, are you a whosoever? Yeah, so whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you have received them, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Now, let, let me explain that to you. I've, I've often used this illustration. It's in my book, Building People, Building Dreams. But uh, it, it's, it's a great illustration because it's so real of how faith works. You know, when I first came to this country, it was during a civil war, and there was one night, well, there, there was lots of gangs running around, and lots of break-ins, and uh, in fact, the house I was staying in, the missionary couple had left that house because somebody had taken the lawn chair and thrown it through the picture glass window and robbed everything, and, 
and, and this family left and fled in fear. And so here I'm living in a house with that story repeating in my mind every night. Every noise I hear, boop, boop, boop. I'm up all night long. And I had a baseball bat at my house. And this baseball bat, I'd walk around at night. I'd hear a noise and I'd walk around the house peeking out the window looking for anybody. I never slept. And here's the crazy thing. I'm learning what I'm teaching you. I was learning about believing with the heart and confessing with the mouth. And I'm walking around my house in fear, sometimes five hours a night, never sleeping, resting, hearing, resting, confessing the scriptures. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love, of strength, and of a sound mind. Now, you talk about schizophrenia. I'm confessing the word of God with a baseball bat in my hand, fearful. I'm full of fear, but I'm speaking the word of God. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Though my enemies come at me one way, they'll flee before me seven ways. Though a thousand fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, it shall not come nigh me. Oh, yeah, but you know what started happening? Pretty soon, I started memorizing all those scriptures. Psalm 91 became my, my mantra. I mean, I would quote Psalm 91 everywhere. The angels of the Lord are encamped around about me. He gives his angels charge over me, lest I dash my foot against the stone. And I'm confessing these things every night in fear. Six months in fear. Now, I don't know when this transition took place. But there was one night I fell asleep. And I'm actually sleeping. And all of a sudden I hear this thump. What is that? And it's loud. What is that? Oh, I remember because I'd been in the farming districts when those things would happen. You don't mind when you hear, what you don't want to hear is, see, our incoming, our outgoing. And it's amazing. I, I woke up, I heard it, and I went, oh, they're outgoing. Absolutely. And, that, and, and, and I rolled over, and I fell asleep into a deep sleep, and I had a vision. I had a dream of a big angel standing over my house with my baseball bat. <laughs> knocking those things away. Now, from that night onwards, I never had fear again. But... The difference was an 18-inch gap from here to here. I began to believe in my heart what I'd been confessing and believing in my head for a long, long, long time. Amen? Now, that is the principle. You cannot say to something that I don't fear you in faith until you really believe it. I could say all night, I have no fear. I'm not afraid. <laughs> and I'm, I'm petrified. Until you get this thing in your spirit. And so it is with everything in the Bible. See, many people, they think that coming to church and giving mental assent, it's called mental assent. Oh, yeah, I believe that. I believe. No, you don't. You mentally ascend to it, but you don't really believe it. Do you know how I know? Because when the pressure really comes on you, you revert back to what you really do believe, which is not what you said. 
Oh, I believe in tithing. Uh Uh-huh. Until what? Until this month, the bills are a little tight. So guess what? God, you're going to just have to hang out a little bit because I really don't believe this. See, I'll tell you, one thing I would never miss is my tithe, ever. But I can't convince you of that. But the reason I would never miss a tithe or an offering is because I, I believe in my heart. It's not just up here. It's not, oh, yeah, I should probably do something for the church. No, 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 no. And please, don't tithe and don't give if it's just out of compulsion. Don't give because you feel like you have to. No, 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 no. Guys, study the word of God. Get a revelation of it so that when you tithe, you have corresponding words to go with it. Or it doesn't do you any good. I mean, it does some good. It helps the church. It does. It helps us pay the bills. We have to pay the bills. We've got to pay water, electricity, salaries, all the things that we do for you. You know, we, we could actually use a lot more money right now because the building needs to be repaired. We need just a bunch of stuff to do. But you know what? I don't want your money out of compulsion. That's why I don't like the profit movement so much. They're twisting things so badly now that they're raping the church. What Jesus said, freely, freely, he says, he says freely, the, it's, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Freely you have received, freely give. I can't charge you to heal you. I can't charge you to prophesy over you. I can't charge you to counsel you. Goodness, are you kidding me? That which I've received, I have to give freely. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the gospel's free, but houses and buildings and cars and salaries, they're not free. But God has an economic program. But you can't benefit from it unless you do it by faith. Thank you. Just tap your neighbor and say, you know, I'm not sure that you really do believe what you say sometimes. And if that was a fair statement from that person, just nod your head and say, yeah, I think you're right. But do you know how I know? Because many Christians have fallen into the trap of mental assent. And mental assent is just religion. Just religion. It's something you're doing, but you really don't believe it. Now, see, I'm trying to move you from mental ascent to faith. Because if I can ever get you to really believe and really act upon what you believe in your heart, you'll be amazed at the supernatural things that begin to take place and transpire in your lives. So the first thing is we have to speak. The second thing that I talked about last week was that we needed to use the name of Jesus. Mark 16, 17, and these signs shall follow them to believe in my name. They shall cast out devils, and they shall speak with new tongues. In my name, they shall lay hands on the sick. my name, they shall drink any deadly or eat any deadly thing. It will not hurt them. In my name, they shall be able to pick up a serpent, a deadly serpent. It will not hurt them. These are powerful, powerful scriptures. But again, if you don't believe it, you're not going to use it. How many times do you decree a thing in the name of Jesus? Oh, and I'm not talking about you just say it as the kind of the, you know, the last thing off your lips. In the name of Jesus. No, no, no. It's not a cliche. It's power. You have a revelation of the name that is above every name. 
At that name, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus the Christ is Lord. There is no name given under heaven by which a man can be saved other than the name Jesus the Christ. Now, it's, it's not just Jesus. By the way, Christ isn't his last name. Some people say, oh, yeah, his last name is Christ. No, his last name is his title. Jesus, the Christ, he's the Messiah. If you go to Mexico and you say, where's Jesus? There'll be 500 Mexicans that'll come and say, hey, yeah, my name's Jesus. If you go to Israel and say, where's Yeshua? That's Joshua. It's Yeshua HaMashiach, Yeshua Messiah, Yeshua the Christ, Jesus the Christ. In that name, every knee shall bow. There's only one Christ. There's only one Son of God. There's only one Father in heaven. There's only one Son of God. There's only one mediator between God and men. I'm sorry for those of you that were formerly Catholics. Mary cannot get you to heaven. She cannot, inter nor can the saints. They cannot intercede on your behalf. That's a false teaching. There's one mediator. Jesus the Christ. You say, pastor's getting mean today. No, I'm teaching you doctrine. There are so many churches that don't teach this doctrine anymore. In fact, did you know that there is teaching coming out today where we're shaking hands with Muslims saying, hey, let's just have a nice religion together. We'll just all go to heaven together. We serve the same God. Wrong. 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 We can't go to heaven on the basis of religion, on the basis of being nice to each other, on the basis of love. Loving each other doesn't get you to heaven. Jesus gets you to heaven. The gospel of loving each other isn't you being a good person so you can be loving and get to heaven. The gospel of loving each other is the love of Christ that is shed abroad in my heart gives me the ability by the grace of God to love even the unlovely. Not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the living God that lives on the inside of me. For you've been saved by faith, through grace, and that's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. And that gift comes through Jesus Christ. Now, don't shout me down because I'm preaching really good this morning. But I'm, I'm, I'm shocked at many of our Pentecostal churches that have... Don't even teach the blood of Jesus. Don't even teach the cross of Christ. Don't even teach the fact that salvation comes through Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm shocked at some of our prophets that actually are teaching that you can receive things in this life without Jesus Christ. That it's all about what you get in this life. I'm going to tell you something. This is error, error, error. John 15, 7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it will be done for you by your Father who's in heaven. John 15, 16 says, if you have, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and I've ordained you that you should go forth and bring, go and, should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. 
that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Those go together, by the way. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, if you abide in the vine, if you abide in Christ, if you stay connected to Christ, he says, guess what? He says, there's going to be such fruit coming out of your life. He says, whatever you ask in my name, my Father will give it to you. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. Some of you have forgotten. You've been beaten down. You've been worried. You've been hurt. You've been damaged. But you've forgotten that faith that got you where you are. It's time to stir yourself back to good works, to, to faith. Others of you, you've never stepped into the faith realm yet. And then there's some of you who say, oh, I know what you're talking about. Because you're eating the fruit of your labor. You're beginning to have fruit and you see that it's going to remain. It'll last after you. It'll be something that'll last for generations. You know how I know that our government has no concept of faith? Because faith sees for fruit that remains. It doesn't see the immediate. It doesn't see right now. In fact, it denies itself now for a greater future. You know it's going to cost our nation a lot. We've already paid a terrible price. But it's going to cost us a lot if we're going to rebuild the nation. And we're going to have to be very, very serious about rebuilding the economy. It's going to take manufacturing. It's going to take exports. It's going to take real effort, real hard labor. It's going to take some of you coming out of your intellectual ivory towers and getting down and getting your hands dirty. You know, I was speaking to one of our businessmen this morning, and he had been on a journey of about seven years, I think, or eight years uh, since he began this business. And when he started the business, I could tell he was clueless. Good businessman. I mean, good, good man, really good man. If I told you it was, you'd all applaud him today. But he was clueless as to how to run a business. But he started. And he was wise enough to come to people that knew better than he did. He would come to me, and I would say, hey, listen, I don't know how to do that, but let me get you in touch with somebody that does. Let me help you. No, no, you can't do that. That's not business. No, 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 no. And, I, and we began to break things down. Oh, they suffered. They struggled. Oh, the business did terrible. But guess what? Eventually it grew. It grew. Guess what? They made mistakes. They, but they got their hands dirty. Oh, they got in debt. Oh, but guess what? They worked their way out of debt. Today we're having a conversation. He says, I want to control the whole supply chain. He says, I want to start... I'm saying, wait, wait, wait. Are you the same guy that came to me and thought you could do this and now look at you? You're talking about supply chain. You're talking about constraints. You're talking about all these powerful things. Faith is growing. Understanding grows. And you do it in Christ. Building a, a, a company takes effort, time. And you have to get your hands dirty. It's not the stroke of a pen. I have a pen and a phone. No, it's not a pen and a phone. It's get your hands dirty. I don't know why I said that. I think somebody needs to hear it today. Number three, this is just review. Almost sounds like I'm preaching, but it's just review. I talked about declaring the word of God. 
And in so doing, you release angelic activity. Now, when you declare the word of God, let me tell you something. Many people mistake this, but it's, no, it's not just declaring the Bible. That's called the Logos word of God. And although it's very powerful and it's something to meditate in, it's something, you need to come to a place that you get what's called a rhema word, a rhema word of God. The rhema word of God is the revealed word. It's the word that jumps off the page, out of your spirit. It's like, that's mine. That was God speaking to me. When you get a rhema word, like the night that I was, finally the word of God became rhema to me. He has not given me a spirit of fear. I'll tell you another thing. I moved into a new house with my wife and uh, we, had a, we had witch doctors on every side of us and they would beat drums all night. And then it was, it was a hectic time. And they'd hang, a couple of nights a week, they'd hang chickens on my gate. One time a donkey head. Oh, yeah, you think it was just easy, hey, being the pastor of a church. I don't know what, you, tra- you attract something, you know. And I'd get up early in the morning, I'd go out and I'd clean everything up so my kids never saw that. And I'll tell you, a fear came into my heart. I thought, man, if these people are doing this, what could happen? But I began, but, but by then I knew I didn't have a spirit of fear. I knew that fear couldn't control me. And I had a rhema word. But I began to pray. And I got up in a room where I was praying. And I'll never forget the night I prayed. And God gave me a vision. And I saw four angels. One on each corner of my property. Can I tell you something? The last thing I fear is fear. The last thing I fear is what you can do to me. Let me tell you something. I know for a fact that I've been protected by angelic powers, and I am protected by angelic powers. You know, we went through a stage where we had guys that would stand at the front of the stage, and we have all kinds of armor bearers and bodyguards. I don't know what we did. I don't know why we did that, but it was kind of the thing to do, you know? But you know, it was really crazy, because the three times that I was attacked by somebody, those guys are... Walk right by them, and I mean, now I say, wait, 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 wait. You know what? I think I'd rather have my angels than those guys anyway. <laughs> Let's not make too much pretense about us. It's got to be about Him. And there is a place of faith that you can have. There's a place where the Word of God is powerful. And a rhema word spoken at the right time unleashes angelic power. Psalm 103, 20. Bless the Lord, O you hosts, you his, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commands, hearkening unto the voice of his word. Whoo, do you know what I love? I love when people give first fruits because I like to get in agreement with the Bible where it says that if you give tithes, offerings, and first fruits and you present yourself before the Lord, the man of God can pray with you. And you know what the prayer is? I'll get to it in a minute because I want to pray it today for you. So God is not on earth speaking. We talked about that last week, but you are. His angels, when you speak his word by faith, are released to do his bidding. You can't command angels to do it. They, 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 they are released by the command of his word. The Holy Spirit also has access to the words that you speak, to have access to men's hearts. He's the one who convicts of sin, of righteousness, and judgment. I can't tell you how many people I prayed for and said, Holy Spirit, 
I'm asking you to intervene on that person's life. Convict them of sin. Convict them of righteousness. Convict them of judgment. I've got a guy in mind right now. I've been praying for him. I'm sure his life is becoming miserable. No, I mean, he's a backslidden Christian. The guy is all over the place. But you know what? I love this guy. And I'm saying, Holy Spirit, would you convict him of his sin? Would you convict him of righteousness? Would you convict him of the judgment that's going to come on his life if he doesn't get right with you? I'm not doing it because I'm mad at him. I'm doing it because I love him. So we have to use our authority. We must learn to bind and loose demonic powers over people's lives, over our lives. Starting with our own lives, our own families, then reach out to those around us, including our government and our nation. Now look at Luke 10, 19. Jesus said this. I'm going to conclude now. These are my last five points, okay? This is the message. That was all just review. There was a little bit of preaching in there. I, I got excited. I'm sorry. Tell your, past, tell your neighbor, say, you know, pastor got a little excited this morning. Sorry about that. Luke 10, 19 says this. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing by any means shall hurt you. Now, you know, if you read that just in the English, you're going to miss it. So in your, in, your, in your Bible, write it this way. Write this. The first word power is the word authority. Behold, I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power. That word power is power of the enemy. What that means, all the power of the enemy are demons, evil spirits, all of his cohorts, and you have to understand that God himself is behind the authority he gives you. And the authority he gives you is a delegated authority. He says, I give you authority over these things. He says, in my name, by my word, by the voice you speak in faith, believing in your heart, declaring with your mouth, you have authority. Why? Well, because God wants to turn the tide of iniquity. God wants to turn the tide of the, of, of, of the problems of your family, of your life, of our nation. So as a community, we have to do five things if we're going to be effective in this walk of faith, in operating in the authority of a believer. Number one, you need to repent of your sins and iniquities. Exodus 34, verses 5 through 7, and it says, And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with Moses and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. I want you to understand something. There are generational curses. There are iniquities. There are propensities towards sin. 
called iniquities. There is transgression where you willfully disobey God. And there's sin where you stumble, you fall, you miss the mark. But God describes himself in this verse of scripture. He says he is merciful. He is gracious. He is long-suffering. He's abundant in goodness and truth. He keeps mercy for a thousand generations. But he will visit the iniquity of the children, of the fathers on the children for the third and fourth generation. And our nation is under iniquity right now. The iniquity that the nation curses itself with every time that they worship an ancestral spirit, every time they dedicate our nation to Nbunahanda and all these things, we are cursing ourselves under the iniquity of our fathers and their fathers. And you call it whatever you want to call it. And you call it nationalism or chimaringa or whatever you want to call it, you call it that. But let me tell you something, until we repent, we are cursed. And as long as we keep invoking that, we're cursed. And some of you keep playing the same games. In Sunday in church, you're a Christian, but all week long, you're playing games. Crawling into some witch doctor's hut, twisting the neck of a chicken, blood spilled. Come on. Oh, and it's the worst best kept secret in, in Zimbabwe and the worst best kept secret in your lives because it's evident where the blessing of the Lord is he addeth no sorrow when God starts blessing you there's nothing to be sorrowful about God blesses without sorrow but let me tell you something iniquity it's full of sorrow. It binds us to poverty. It binds us to sickness. It binds us to fear. It binds us to these things. And it must be broken. We have to seek for forgiveness. We must repent. And we must break demonic rights of operation in our lives. Over our families. And over our nation. These demon powers have a right to do this. Good news. For the nation, God says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven. But you know what? It's not just going through the motions of that. It's actually believing. It's actually repenting. It's actually as my people. The problem is that we have so much witchcraft in the church these days. Many churches just practice it openly. It's called divination. Tricking people into all kinds of false signs, lying signs and wonders. Watch the fruit of those lying signs and wonders. Are they really being free or are they being bound? Let me tell you something. If you're really free, those who are free are free indeed. And I want you to be free. In this church, I'm going to get you to be a place where you're free because you're going to live by faith. And I'll tell you what, I believe in the man of God. I believe in, I believe in believers and I believe in the gift of healing. I have a gift of healing that God operates in my life often. But how many times do you see me praying for the sick anymore? Why? Because I don't want to be associated with that whole nonsense of, ooh, the man of God, ooh, you've got to get Pastor Tom to pray for you. It used to be that, you know, but, I, but we will use those gifts again. We're going to go through a season here where the gifts of the Spirit are going to come back in operation. But they're going to come through you. 
The iniquity will be broken and God's going to, you'll heal your family. You'll heal your loved ones. You'll be used by the Holy Spirit to lay hands on the sick. It's not some kind of crazy, hoo, 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 I feel, that's just a show. Let me tell you something, the authority of the believer is so powerful. I don't have to make a big show. In the name of Jesus. In the name of, that's all it takes, just in the name of, in a believing heart. It doesn't say shout it and he'll hear you. It says say to that mountain. Secondly, intercession. The Bible says that the second thing we need to do is we need to make intercession on behalf of our leaders, the leaders of our nation. Isaiah 6, 5 says, then I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell amongst the, in the midst of a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king in the glory of the hosts of heaven. I've seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Guys, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what intercession is. Now, when I speak out, I want you to know something. When I speak out about the corruption in our government, we all know it's there. And the corruption is spiritual in nature. They've corrupted themselves with all kinds of demonic activity. They've done it openly. It's in the newspapers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that's wrong. I don't care what government. I don't care what, uh, what is it? Party. Yeah, I don't care what party you're from. If you're doing that stuff, it's wrong. And you're cursing yourself and you're cursing your party and you're cursing our nation. Now, if I start naming names, such and such and so and so. And no, 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 that's not right. Now I'm in the seat of judgment. We don't name names. We just say the practice is wrong. This practice is cursing our nation. Are you listening? Now there may be names that could be named, but I'm not the judge. God's the judge of all men's hearts. Get that right. So how does an intercessor work? How do you intercede for the darkness in the, la in the land? Like Isaiah. What did Isaiah say? He says, I'm a man. I am a man of unclean lips. I live amongst the people of unclean lips. You align yourself. You associate yourself with the people that you live amongst. God, I grieve for my nation. Father, I am also a man of unclean lips. I am also a man. I take on the sin of this nation. I take on the sin of my brothers and sisters. I take on the sin of the leadership of the nation. And I live amongst them. And therefore, I am part of this. And I'm asking on behalf of the nation to forgive me first and forgive our nation. Forgive those that are doing such things. Because I have a part to play. I, I suffer under the iniquity and I'm part of the iniquity. I don't care how good you think you are, you're part of the iniquity. And every time you judge one of these guys and name them by name, you're part of the iniquity. You've placed yourself, you partake of their sin. You partake of what they're doing. Because you've placed yourself in judgment. Whose sins you remit, they are remitted. Whose sins you retain, you retain. Every time you make a judgment, you retain that sin. Did you know that? So why are you, why are you so judgmental? Not ouch. Repent. Stop it. Stop it. Oh, you know what I yeah. Okay, you just cursed yourself now. You're part of the problem. Instead of saying, you know what, Father, I'm asking. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. You need to order your conversation aright. 
if you want to see the salvation of your God. Let me tell you, so here's some of the things we need to start saying. Your intercession isn't just laying on the floor up here screaming in tongues for eight hours. I'd rather tap you on the shoulder and say, what the heck are you doing? You get up from that and you say, well, you know, the, 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 the president and the vice president and the this and the... There's a place to discuss those things, but it better be with a view in mind of redemption or helping be a part of the solution. But let me, let me tell you something else. If you, if you can't be redemptive in action, at least be redemptive in your words. Somebody comes to you and they say, yeah, you know, I heard that the such and such is smuggling things through the border. And it ain't, it ain't. So you know what? You know what I'm believing? I'm believing that God will reveal to his heart how that's detrimental to our nation. I'm believing that the, 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 the Holy Spirit will begin to move in our nation and bring, bring about conviction of righteousness, of, of, of judgment. See, all of a sudden, what am I doing? I'm not going to align myself with your gossip. I'm going to align myself with the word of God. I'm going to start speaking the life of God's word into that situation. Because if you'll start doing that, you see the tide turn. And you know what? It may not turn in the whole nation right away, but it will start turning in your life. Number three, we need to bind the strong man. You can't bind the strong man unless you know your authority in Jesus Christ. You can't bind the strong man over a nation if you haven't bound the strong man over your own house. I bind you. What are you, what are you binding? Binding isn't words. Binding is taking authority and enforcing the authority over your family, over your situation. I had a little girl come to me the other day, and she and her husband made the decision that they were not going to practice all the ancestral stuff in their marriage and in their family. And they stood up to their family. They stood up to the tete. They stood up to their parents. They stood up to the gogo. They stood up to everybody. They said, we don't want this. Oh, and the pressure came. Ooh, ooh, everybody's all upset. Everybody's mad. And, uh, you know. <laughs> but they got their way. They got their way. Now, guess what? Five years later, guess what? All those people are coming to know the Lord. Now, guess who, do they, who does everybody come to when they want an answer? The one who has authority. The one who stood up. The one who has a belief system. The one who knows where they're going. Who isn't willing to bow their knee to every little whimper and every little crybaby in the family. And now this young little couple speak to their parents. They speak to the go-go. They speak to everybody in the family. Even the tete comes to them. What should we do? Why? Because they have the word of God bubbling up on the inside of them. It's powerful. I'm so impressed. That's transformation. But you see, if we can't bind the devil in our families, how do we bind it over the nation? See, if we can, only after we bind the demonic strongholds over the nation can God plunder the plunderers. That was actually a very powerful statement. Some of you get it after lunch. I know that, okay? 
Matthew 12, 29 says, or house, how else, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then he'll spoil his house. Number four, I've got to go quickly now. I've only got a few more minutes. Understand that you should begin to see angelic activity in your lives. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, but if you're not seeing angelic activity, I, I wonder if you're really living in the kingdom. I'm not saying you see angels, but I'll tell you, you see their activity. Open your Bibles with me to Exodus chapter 20. 23, Exodus 23. I need to borrow somebody's Bible. I, I, I think I'm going to do a Bible study here. I hadn't intended to do this, but I'm going to do it, okay? Exodus 23. Listen to what this says. I love I loved, I loved the Bible. I love God. You say, oh, it's all of the Old Testament. Yeah, well, you know what? The Old Testament is a pattern of what's to come in the new. Amen. And Jesus fulfilled all this. But listen, listen to what this says. Uh, verse 10. Six years you shall plow your land, gather the produce, but in the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow. It goes on. It says, six days you shall do your work. It goes on and talks about all that, okay? Then it comes in verses, verse 14. It says, three times a year you should keep a feast to be in, in the year. You should keep the feast of unleavened bread. You should eat unleavened bread for seven days as I commanded you. This is Passover. There's, there's three feasts that are around the Passover. They're called the spring feasts. These three feasts, as a church, we're beginning to go back and understand that these feasts are pointing to Jesus, the Passover lamb. Uh, the, the, the feast of unleavened bread, the, 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 the feast of, uh, which, which, is, which is Jesus you know, in, in the tomb and, and, and the resurrection. These, these are powerful, powerful feasts. He says three times a year. He says, and listen to what it says. I command you at the appointed time of the month of Abib to appear, uh, for in, in that you came out of Egypt, none shall appear before me empty-handed. So guess what we do? You bring an offering there, Okay. The feast of harvest is the second time. Now, the feast of harvest is the first fruits of your labor. The feast of first fruits, you bring your first fruits, which you've sown in the field. And the feast of ingathering. The feast of ingathering is tabernacles. At the end of the year, when you have gathered the fruit of your labor, you bring your tithe. So, three times a year, you present yourself to God. This is an agricultural society. But he says, offerings, first fruits, and tithes. And I love this. Three times in the year, all of your males shall appear before the Lord. You shall not offer the blood of my sacrifice with, unleavened, with leavened bread, nor shall you eat the fat of my sacrifice. Let, let the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. Bring, he says, the first of your first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. What it means by the first, it means the best, the best of your first fruits. Now, isn't that powerful? But you know what? That's where most people stop. They say, oh, yeah, tithes, offerings. But that, that's not the PowerPoint. The powerful point is verse 20. Listen to what this says. Behold, I send an angel before you. One person says, behold, I send your angel before you. Your angel before you. To keep you in the way and to bring you into the place that I have prepared for you. Do you think God has a place for you? He says, I've prepared you unto good works. 
God has some good works for you to do. He says, I'm going to bring you to the place that I prepared for you. Having begun a good work in you, I'll bring it to completion. I'm the author and I'm the perfecter of your faith. You do your part, guess what he says? Okay, he says, I'll, I'll send my angels to go before you and I'll bring you to the place that I prepared for you. But beware of your angel and obey his voice and do not provoke him because he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. But if you indeed obey his voice and do all I speak, then I will become an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. How many of you could use that right now? How many of you have an enemy? How many of you have an adversary? And you're thinking, man, I, I could use some outside help right now. God says, hey, I'm going to send an angel to go before you. He'll become an enemy to your enemy. He'll be an adversary to your adversary. See, some of you don't have, you think you have to figure it out. So you're concocting all kinds of ways to do this. But you don't even know the authority that you have. Hey, God, I'm a tither, I'm a giver, I give first fruits, I'm standing on what your word says. You said, my angel, well, go before me. Praise God, praise God. My angel goes before me. He's going to prepare a place for me. He's going to cause my enemies to become your enemies, my adversaries to become your adversaries. Oh, it only gets better. Listen to this. For my angel will go before you and bring you into the place that he's prepared for you, the Amorites. He says, you shall not bow down to their gods. God, you, you, hey, your angel doesn't work if you're bowing down to Mbuyana Honda, an ancestor. He says, don't bow down to their gods. Don't serve them nor do according to their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them, utterly overthrow them, and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God. He will bless your bread and your water. And I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my fear before you. I will cause confusion among all people to whom you come. And will make all your enemies turn their backs on you. Whoo. Now, he, listen, verse 29 says, I'm not going to do this in one year. Lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field become too numerous. Little by little, I will drive them out from before you until you have increased and you inherit the land. And I will set your bounds for you. I will cause the boundary lines to fall for you in good places, is what he's saying. Now, some of you read the Bible like that. Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just for Israel. No, 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 that's not for Israel. He's, he's giving you the parameters by which he blesses. He says, he says, listen, you, you be a blessing to my kingdom. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Present yourself before me. Don't forsake the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some. He says, bring your tithes into the storehouse. Bring your, your first fruits into the storehouse. Bring your offerings before me. Present yourself before me. He says, and guess what? It unlocks heaven for you. It unlocks angelic power for you. It unlocks the, the blessings of heaven. He says, and you watch what I'll do for you. My angel will go before you. I'll make your enemies my enemies. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Everything you lay your hand to will prosper. And you know how I know this is true? Because I see it every day of my life. I, I, I live a life where I say, oh my God, that, that had to be an angel. Oh my God, that, how did I meet that person? I bump into people and I'm saying, this is a miracle. God put us together. Oh my gosh. What, who would have thought that this was happening? I stumble into a place and I'm thinking, 
What am I here for? Because I don't believe there's accidents in the kingdom. Now, why am I meeting this person? Sometimes it's not for me. I meet a person and I say, oh, you know what? I know that you need to meet this person over here. And if you two get together, I'm the conduit that helps get you together. Maybe I'm the angel of the Lord in this situation. Have you ever thought about that? I might be being used like an angel to help. Maybe an angel is directing me to help you find your prosperity. But I'm not thinking about myself. I'm thinking about what fingerprints am I seeing? Where do I see God in all this? I think I'll keep this Bible. I like it. Finally, we have to have a heart of thanksgiving. Being thankful is key. Thankfulness is your expression of faith. You can't have faith and not be thankful. In Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Now listen to what it says here. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, Separated unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein I sent them. And when they, now, 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 you know, God just spoke. What do they do? It says, and then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Spirit departed unto Seleucia. And from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, I've always said, well, and they minister. How do you minister unto the Lord? Have you ever thought about that? I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. The way you minister to God is with thankfulness and praise. Thankfulness and praise. Thankfulness and praise. What do the 24 elders do? Holy, 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 worthy, worthy, worthy is the holy. God, you're amazing. God, are we just thankful? I'm so thankful I'm in your thankfulness. It's amazing. First Thessalonians 5 says it this way. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything gives thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the spirit. How do you quench the spirit? Unthankful heart. Murmuring, complaining, griping. Despise not prophesyings. Oh, I'll tell you what, I love prophesying. I hate false prophets, but I love prophesying. Prove all things. Hold fast to that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray that your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who has called you. He will also do it. Folks, let me tell you something. If you really want to begin to move into the things of the Spirit of God, pray. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. Say, ah, there's nothing to rejoice about in this country. 
wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. It didn't say because of what's going on. It says rejoice always. Learn to rejoice. Hey, I was just a bunch of people yesterday. We just started rejoicing. But you know what? There's a lot of bad stuff going around. But look at the, it was a beautiful day. We had a braai. Look at that sunset. Look at that beautiful blue sky. Wow. Look, we have food. Wow. And we have each other. Wow. We have fellowship. Wow. Let's just rejoice in the fact that we have each other. Let's rejoice in the fact that we have food. Let's rejoice in the fact that we have the best weather in the whole world. Let's rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Keep praying. Paul says, men ought always to pray and faint not. You know how you don't faint? Pray. Keep praying. Paul says, I pray without ceasing. You know what that means? I catch myself just driving, talking, wake up in the morning, in between conversations, talking to God. Sometimes I'm praying in tongues. I just catch myself. Under my breath. I can't always get to the prayer room, but I'm always praying. The Bible doesn't say you have to go to the prayer room to be heard. It says just keep praying without ceasing. Pray continually. In everything, give thanks. It doesn't say for everything, give thanks. Sometimes I, it's hard to say, God, I, I just thank you for this petrol cube. Oh, I love it. Praise God for petrol cubes. Oh, I thank you that there's no bread this week. I just thank you, Lord. No, no, in everything, give thanks. Yeah, I'm just going to stay, Lord, you know what? I believe that you can turn this thing around. I'm going to praise you. I thank you. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. But then don't quench the spirit. How do you quench it? Murmuring, complaining, griping, finding fault, pointing the finger. Trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye when you got a telephone pole in your own. Anybody know who I'm talking about? Just tap your neighbor and say, I think I know who he's talking about there. And then don't despise prophecy. In fact, some of you only think about prophecy for yourself. Oh, if I could just get a prophecy. No, 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 no. Don't despise prophesying. Prophesy. When you see a brother or sister, speak words of prophecy over them. Hey. Guess what? Because you're, you're full of thanksgiving. You're full of praise. You're being prayerful. You know what? Hey, it's not as bad as you think it is. God can turn your situation around in just a minute. Can you just let the spirit of life rise up in you? Cast off that despair. Cast off that discouragement. I declare over you, God is for you. Your enemies are fleeing before you. God is rising. Let his enemies be scattered. Ooh, God. Bless God. Guess what? He just got blessed. And you're just out of the overflow. You're just full of the bless God. Hallelujah. Pray without ceasing. Rejoice evermore. In everything, give thanks. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Guys, some of you don't prove anything. Every little guy that comes up to you says he's a prophet or an apostle or an epistle. (laughs) Now we have prelates. The bishops got upset because the apostles overtook the the, the, the bishops. Now we have prelates. Guys, you know what? Just call me Brother Tom. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. Hey, brother. (laughs) Just call me bro. Hey, bro. Hey, bro. 
hey, brother, hey, brother. Because, you know, if Brother Tom can't get the job done with Jesus in him, Apostle Tom ain't going to get the job done any better. Amen? It's time to grow up in the church. It's time to grow up. And the God of peace. Well, I tell you, if there's no peace, run. And the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who called you. He will also do it. How many of you feel like, man, I need to start working on my attitude a little bit? How many of you say, I have a little bit of anxiety? I got a little bit of fear. I got a little bit of depression. I think you should be back here tonight. Pastor Franz is going to deal with all that stuff. Amen. That's what it's all about, guys, to get it free. We got to get free. Got to learn how to overcome that stuff. I'm going to encourage you. Take the extra effort. Oh, yeah, it's just too hard. No, take the effort. Study to show yourselves approved. Workmen that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I got four minutes. Anyone here who is sick in your body, you're sick in your body, stand up. Stand up. Just, I'm sick in my body. The Bible says there'll be, he'll take sickness from your midst. He'll take sickness from your midst. Guys, if we're willing to deal with these roots that we talked about today, part of our promise is he'll take the sickness from, a, from the midst of us. I believe there are angels all around. I believe there's angelic beings that want to take sickness from the midst of us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bind the strong man in this house today. We come against the strong man of dis-ease, dis-ease, people that are not at ease because of the situation. It's causing a dis-ease in their body. We come against sickness in the name of Jesus. We come against infirmity in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, we ask for your healing power to begin to manifest itself in this house. You're the God of healing. You have angels all around. Father, we don't even know how you do healing, but we know you do. We don't know how you make a miracle happen, but we know you do. We don't need to know how because we trust you. You said that believers can lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. You said you would send your word and people would be healed. So, Father, we've sent the word today. You said in the name of Jesus, healing would come. So, Father, we're, we're using all three of those today. So, in the name of Jesus, we pronounce healing over sickness, over disease, over infirmity, tumors. Go in Jesus' name. Schizophrenia goes in Jesus' name. Curses are broken in Jesus' name. Fibroids dry up in the name of Jesus. Autoimmune deficiencies normalize in the name of Jesus.
pains go in the name of Jesus. Stomach disorders, kidney disorders, healed in Jesus' name. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In everything, give thanks. Come on, let's just start thanking him. Thank you for your healing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just lift, just lift your hands up. Lift your hands up. Just thank him. Use your voice. Say, I thank you, Jesus. I thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you for your angelic hosts. I thank you for healing. I thank you. I give praise to you. I rejoice in the fact that you've given us a covenant of healing. I renounce anything to do with the powers of darkness. I renounce all my activity with witchcraft, all my activity with ancestral worship. I renounce it today. I don't want a part of that. Father, set me free. I bind those strong men. I bind those men. I bind those family members that curse me. I bind the intimidation. I bind the fear. I bind it in Jesus' name. I'm not going to be fearful. Oh, God, let that sink down into my hearing. Let it sink down into my spirit. Let it not be words in my head, but may it really become what I believe. May I really believe it and declare to the mountains, declare to the sycamore trees in my life that they have no more place in me. Uproot that tree. Move those mountains, those mountains of fear in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. For I will begin to move in a way that will even stagger you. Some of you have paid lip service and your hearts have been far from me. But even this day, I've begun to plant a word in your soul. I've begun to plant a word in your spirit. And it will cause life to spring forth. If you will abide in me and let my word abide in you, I will cause my life to spring up out of you. Like a river of living water, it will spring up out of you. And you'll begin to speak to situations. You'll see my hand move. You'll see my angelic beings move. You'll begin to see me move again. I will cause a great revival from your mouth into your family, from your mouth into your nation. I will cause it to come to pass. If you will believe me, trust in me, turn to me with all of your heart, you will see my mighty hand at work in your life, saith the Lord of hosts. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you're standing around one of these people and you're a believer, if you're sitting around one and you're a believer, just reach up and touch them. Say, hey, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be healed. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Just reach up and touch them. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Come on, touch somebody. Stand up and touch them. Touch them and declare with faith, in the name of Jesus, be healed. 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 In the name of Jesus. Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Woo, praise God. Can you feel that? Can you sense that? Glory be to God. It's not magic. It's not witchcraft. It's not spooky. It's in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.